Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen, and today I'm joined by Simon Chang and Garrett Fear. Today we're going to talk about the Hybrid Showdown, which is taking place next weekend here in Miami, Florida at Hybrid Performance Method Gym. We're super excited to share with you uh, the concept behind and what are our predictions for this meet, as well as what are some notable competitors that are going to be showing up. So hopefully uh, most of you will be able to make it here. If not, make sure that you subscribe to the Hybrid Performance Method YouTube channel, which is where the competition is going to be live streamed for free and to the highest level. Quick shout out to our sponsor, LMNT. Uh, it's a great tasting electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. LMNT is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. LMNT contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, with no with none of the junk no sugar no coloring no artificial ingredients no gluten no fillers no bs if you want to check these guys out this is something that stephanie and i use all the time uh check them out at drinklmnt.com hybrid this podcast episode is also brought to you by beam beam is committed to producing high quality natural innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's Beam and use code hybrid in all caps for 15% off. Anyway, so sit back, relax, and join another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Hello, welcome back to Hybrid Unlimited, Garrett. Happy to have you here. Yeah, good to be here. I'm kind of the coolest guest that's ever been on this show, so. You're pretty popular, I'm not gonna lie. Our fans really like you. I love it. What do you think, what do you attribute that to? Oh God, what a question to ask. Um, <laughs> maybe the dashing handsomeness. Um, <laughs> Maybe a little bit of the sexy thighs. Okay, okay. Um, but more than likely, it is how loud and annoying I am. Let's talk about the thighs. Your shorts are a little bit too short. What do you think about that? Very short. Too short is a... Too, too short's a strong opinion. Yeah? Yeah. Four, four and a half inch inseam, all I need. Permitting I'm wearing tight underwear. Do you also <laughs> wear uh, crop tops? Occasionally, not typically. Like, I do it more as like... As a gimmick. Like, I have this super fucking sick Shawn Michaels. You know who Shawn Michaels is? Mm. The heartbreak kid? No. Everybody make fun of Steffi for that. I have this super sick Shawn Michaels, like, uh, early 90s heartbreak kid. He's a pro wrestler. Crop top that I wear from time to time. Actually, I wore it to Matt's Halloween party. See, that's acceptable to wear it, like, sarcastically. Yeah. But, man, if you're a guy and you're showing up to a gym... With a crop top? Disagree. You just have to be able to rock it. No. Because some people can rock it. No, nobody can rock it. I disagree. It. Some, nobody can rock it Have seriously. you ever seen Russ, Russ Ori in a crop top? I don't think he rocks it. He rocks it. Russ, I love you, man, but crop tops on a guy are a big no for no. me. No, 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 no. It started in football, actually. So when I was playing college football, it was big because your shoulder pads go up to here 
and it's really hot and you don't want a long baggy shirt so you cut right your but that's shirt. performance based yeah performance okay, it's different based. So I'd wear it for football. For football, okay. 19, what, Nick, what do you 18, say? 19 years old. That's where Russ got it from. You got the V. Go for it. Like the ab V? Yeah. That's a good point. No. That's a very good point. No. Your bottom abs have to fit the crop top. If you have a V and you have, and you're a muscular person with abs, you shouldn't have the need to flaunt them so much. Like it should be obvious that if you have like big arms and you know you're shredded. I can imagine what's underneath that. So is that how you feel about my short shorts? Like there's no need for me to wear them? Yeah. See, I don't wear them to show off my legs. I wear them because I hate wearing clothes. And it's like, I don't like anything touching my knees. And then it became, like, it's like I was the, not the first, but I was like very early on. You're a pioneer of the short shorts? In powerlifting? A little bit. A little bit, for real. Because wow. I wore, di like, they call them, like, uh, short diapers. Because right. I'd take my shorts and, like, roll up my legs. I do remember you doing that. Yeah, and I got real sick of it. So I just started buying short shorts. And then, boom, short shorts. So what's the brand of short shorts, your go-to short shorts brand? Uh, oh, the good old Jordy Moffat Bacon and Barbells. All right. He, made, he, he literally essentially made them to, like, the specs I asked for. <laughs> like, four and a half inch inseams, pockets, like... He makes some with heavier material, but usually a lighter material. I'm actually moving more towards like a heavier sweat material. Short shorts are just the shit. You just gotta, I don't know, kind of, kind of feel disrespected right now. I mean, I do understand the comfort aspect of it because that's I, mainly what it is. I also wear short shorts, and it's way more comfortable than wearing long shorts. So I do get it. Right. The only thing I don't really particularly like, especially when it comes to Instagram, is like people. I always either get DMs or comments about like a bulge. So I try, like, so that's why I wear the fanny pack. That's actually the reason I wear the fanny pack in public. To hide your bulge? To hide my bulge. Not that I have, you know, you know, crazy. But I just wear, <laughs> I just wear small shorts. I just wear small shorts. So it, it just, it's, it's, it's highlighted. Especially if you wear red. Oh, that's why you don't wear a red singlet, you know? Yo, do you imagine being that alpha that you have to hide your bulge <laughs> with a fanny pack? It's not about, no. I'm not even saying anything about having a, a, a <laughs> it, the shorts are just small. The shorts are just small. All right. I'm going to get shredded for that one. I'm going to get shredded for that one. I'm serious. I'm going to get shredded for and that we're one. we're just getting started. We're just, yeah, we're just getting, getting started. started. So why are you here in Miami? Say it again. Why are you here in Miami? Oh, well, I don't know if you know, but there's this event. Yeah at Hybrid Performance Method, okay. and it's called the Hybrid Showdown. It's actually okay. the fourth one uh -huh. that's ever been done, yeah. So I did all the coordination for that this year. I'm the quote-unquote meet director. So this company came through Hybrid, <laughs> and they're putting up $60,000 to give to the, essentially, the top three male and female athletes. They're giving $20,000 to the top male, top female, and then seven and a half to the seconds, and then two and a half to the thirds. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money to be pushing, but they're doing it. And, uh, you know, I've been spending the last, oh, basically 10 weeks trying to coordinate all the little ins and outs. Um, who's going to be here? Who's going to be refereeing? What booths we're going to have? How many partitions I need? How much duct tape I need? Everything from the top <laughs> to the bottom to figure out how to make this event go as smoothly as possible. And... Um, you know, we'll see a big improvement from past year's events. Um, we have a really good team in place. Um, 
some space restrictions, but that's just what's going to happen anytime you have an event of this size and in, in a, you know, in a facility like hybrid. Mm -hmm. And, um, but other than that, I think it's going to be an absolutely phenomenal event. Um, some really talented lifters coming out, some really new lifters coming out for the open day. Um, one thing I really do love about the way you guys structure this event is doing the open day and the pro day. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it opens the door for a lot of people on the open day to kind of get their name out there, excuse me, show people what they're capable of. And then, you know, obviously bringing all the high level competitors together with that kind of cash prize, you, well, it may be hard to fill that roster um, because you're getting the best of the best, you get the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So it's almost an advantage. You know, this year on the pro day, there's about 35 lifters. And a lot of people think that seems small, but for a lot of people, it can be a deterrent you know, seeing an event with those types of names on it with 20K on the line, they're like, well, you know, $20,000, who's not gonna show up for that kind of money? You know, so a lot, we've got the, the biggest, the biggest of the biggest guys pretty much who aren't super heavyweights competing in the event, so. And it's sleeves only. And it's sleeves only. It's the only. Turn, yeah. This and the, the, the WRPF's showdown are the only sleeved only high-end money meets. And uh, I don't believe the showdown at least from uh, that showdown, at least from um, the same meet director is happening this upcoming year. So, you know, um, depending on how the current goes, this could be the highest paid single meet of the year, which is a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, hopefully we can keep, you know, obviously increasing the payouts and continue improving the, the venues and yeah. the streaming and yeah. everything from here on uh, this was a weird year just because of covid and everything still being kind of a bit up in the air and and h hard to coordinate but hopefully things go back to normal a little bit next year will be bigger and better well and uh you know too that you mentioned the live stream that's one of the biggest improvements people are going to see this year you know we we hired out a professional live stream production team they've been working inside of powerlifting for a period of time I was actually the first person they worked with inside of powerlifting via your guys' sponsorship money for the uh, Hoosier Cup that I ran last summer. Um, it was like essentially the same thing, just like a drug-tested event, smaller cash prizes, but we gave away combo racks. And uh, we used them there, and uh, now they've been at, you know, um, they were at Jesse Burdick's uh, Record Breakers. They were at quite a few other events, and they're just absolutely phenomenal. That's Ana Perez, and you'll see that they put together an amazing production. I had to put it all together myself for that Hoosier Cup, and like yeah, that was frustrating. So I'm really excited to not to have to do it myself for this one. But I think the live stream is going to be the biggest and most positive change this year. And I think live streams are what are kind of opening the door in powerlifting for it to become a more legitimate sport because. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to show up to powerlifting meets. Normal people aren't going to show up to powerlifting meets. So bringing that to the airwaves is going to be a, a very important factor in, in growing powerlifting into a professional sport, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully regular people will start showing up more to, to powerlifting events. I think that, and it's something that we were talking about with Kratos, with a, with a yep. bigger kind of event that we wanted to put up. And it's just the, the experiences outside of watching people power lift for nine hours i think that's what will yep. draw a bigger crowd just making it more about the experience you know having good food having mm -hmm. good drinks having mm -hmm. music having making it more like a like a festival like yep. fitness place rather than like just coming in to watch people squat bench deadlift i think that's what's going to make the difference well and ultimately too challenging the mold of 
the efficiency of powerlifting meets and those types of things. Cause like nothing is worse than going to a meet with 50 lifters. That takes 12 fucking hours. Yeah. You know, nothing is worse than that. Like no. nothing is worse than waiting four hours in between watching the same person squat and bench and then dead, like, you know, four hours per, you know, eight hours to watch the same person squat and then bench and deadlift. So that's the other big thing that I think is going to be a, a big change that will happen in time doing more. If you've ever seen how the USAPL does it, they do it in sessions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 13 or, four, thir or you know, 20 guys, 20 gals will lift in between two flights. They'll do all their squats, benches, and deadlifts, and then they'll go to the next two flights. So it, it's just about making a more efficient event all the way around and making it uh, inside the actual powerlifting. Mm -hmm. And then outside of the lifting, exactly what you said, you know, making it fun, making it festive to some degree, festive to some degree. And yeah. being informative, too, because if we want regular people to come in, we need to know that they don't really know what's going on. So if they walk in, how are they going to know what's going on? They, they should know who's going head to head, what the lifts mean. Like I know going to sports just as a younger kid, whether it's an NHL game, NFL game, you get a pamphlet of like the roster of, you know, what the, the season stats are prior to that. So you have a general idea of what's going on. Like, Oh, this, these are two good teams going against each other. Like in powerlifting, doing something like this podcast or even a pamphlet or showing the actual numbers on the live stream if they hit white lights things like that it's like oh we actually know what's going on mm -hmm. that's actually a phenomenal idea what are those called the pamphlets yeah what are those called when you go to when you go to like a basketball game you get those pamphlets there's a name for those pamphlets no it's not just pamphlets <laughs> there's a specific name for that uh, but yeah th that's, actually, that's actually that's no, actually that's if you have to think about it, if you want to make powerlifting professional, you have to do it professionally. Yeah, that's a genius idea. So it's professional broadcast, knowing exactly what's going on if you're watching a live stream. So many live streams, I don't even know the person's name. I just see them walking up. I don't know what attempt is. I don't mm -hmm. know if they hit white lights. I don't see the number on the bar. I know who it is because I know powerlifting. Right. But, you know, 99% of people watching are going to be like, what is going on here? So yeah. you have to keep people entertained, know what's going on, and create some hype. One of the best live streams or head-to-head -head I've seen is, is John Hack and Brett Gibbs, IPF Worlds. Like, mm -hmm. we knew what was going on. There's mm -hmm. so much hype around that. Two great lifters. We know their numbers. We know, you know, what their training was. And the announcing from um, Six Pack Lapidat was great, actually. It was he was hyped, like, yeah. you know, giving you a full breakdown, like that stuff really helped. And if we could bring that to powerlifting and again, even the pamphlets, so we know in person what's going on, which is going to program program. Yes. It's called a program the program. <laughs> so they know what's going on. So the crowd actually gets hyped right. and then the live stream is like, Oh, there's a bunch of yelling and screaming. Exactly. Like, what is going on? It's hard to understand the nuances, yeah. you know? So you're trying to, you know, help them understand and just make it professionally done. Yeah, I think you'll, I think Simon, I think you know, with what you're talking about, I think you'll be very impressed with the live stream of Showdown. Yeah. Between. No, I've seen, I've seen what you do and obviously we've talked a lot about the Showdown. Right. So I know it's going to be really good. Well, and I'm then, you know, Angelo Fortino, Steve Denovi, yeah, two white I like lights. That. I like that. Absolutely. A couple weeks ago, that suggestion, I was pretty happy about that. That's going to be, and that's going to be good because those are two people. I think one of the problems we've had on the untested side of the board is we get announcers who are like, like they're cool and exciting a lot of the time, but they don't know anything about the sport. Mm -hmm. So it's very good to have that kind of classical play-by-play -play announcer and the, and the um, uh, what do they call the other announcer, the, the color 
Oh, I forget. But, oh. you know, it's very, it'd be very nice to have the, the classical commentating team, but they're actually informed on, yeah, on what's exactly. going on inside of the event. Exactly. Like a Joe Rogan for powerlifting or something like that. Yeah, to a degree. Like, we yeah. have to think. We're, we're he's next of, level. Yeah. He's, when you watch Joe Rogan commentate a fight, the way he, he like, like, I was watching some highlights the other day and someone did some wild, like, crescent kick or some spinning kick. I don't remember what it was. But he's like, he's like, oh, he's he's lined up to get this kick, and one of the announcers like challenges him, and then boom, does it, gets a knockout, and that's it's one of the most amazing things. Somebody who has that kind of in-depth knowledge and understanding of the action right in front of you, and then to also verbalize it instantaneously. Oh man, what a guy! Exactly, but it makes it entertaining, and that's what you know. That's why we watch sports, entertaining and powerlifting. So again. If you think of actually powerlifting, like, do you want to go, if you're talking to your friend, hey, do you want to go watch this guy do nine lifts in nine hours? <laughs> Probably not. No, it's, yeah, it's the, the stretch of time, but, but many people, if not everybody is interested in like a big lift. Exactly. You know, like for example. But uh, they need to know it's a big lift and what yeah. is going on. Like last year, a bunch of the guys that I train with uh, over at Daru's came to watch the lifts and they were so stoked. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't remember who was lifting like Jamal, 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 John, yeah, Dan Bell, right? Yeah, yeah. There's eleven hundred pound squats, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were so stoked to watch that. You know, they were actually really excited. They kept asking me, "Oh, when's the meet gonna be?" When I told them like how much weight was gonna be moved, yeah. You know, so there's definitely an interest. It's just like the delivery of the of the event is just too stretched out. You know, and and then not knowing like exactly. Who's winning, or yeah, you know. especially with calibrated plates too, like yeah. people who just—it's hard to look like, at it and tell. I, yeah, you have five hundred pounds, and it's like this. It needs to be clear how much. Yeah, it needs to be clear, like right there, how much weight's on the bar, and what the what the um, the scoring is. Yeah, you know, right. If they make that lift, what would that put yeah. them at? You know, first place, second. For putting like that? the weight up, we were actually we were actually still toying with the idea of adding a second television to our truss. And just putting the weight above it at all times for the for the the uh, the in-house spectators because yeah. the live stream will have that. Yeah. But the in-house spectators, like, and they'll have the MC, but like seeing something visually really changes the magnitude of what's going on. Oh, hundred mm-hmm. percent, yeah. And um, the, the scoring thing, seeing like the the you know like ascending score of, of what's happening as they do it, that's going to be the hard part because people don't quite understand like a dots system or a Wilkes system you don't have to like the way that i envision it is like say for example there's 10 people in a flight right so it's like they're literally kind of like a nascar driving where where Mm -hmm. every lap they tell you like who's right down yeah you know they just like move up and move down like based on their score like that that's what they did when i went to ipf worlds that's what they did you could see it a huge projected screen you hit a lift and you kind of like just see yeah. people going up and down, which made it really entertaining. entertaining yeah. Interesting. Quick shout out to our sponsor, LMNT. Uh, it's a great tasting electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. LMNT is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following a keto, low carb, or paleo diet. LMNT contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, with with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. If you want to check these guys out, this is something that Stephanie and I use all the time. Uh, Check them out at 
drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high-quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. I'll, you know, I'll take in all the ideas, man. Right, right, yeah. I have, I mean, I have, I have plenty of ideas myself that I've been trying to, imp- one of them is, is a running score. Yo, do we have beer? But I have it. Yeah, beer? always. What kind? All the kinds. Do we have beer? Is there not shitty beer that people act like they like, like IPAs? You don't like IPAs. You don't like IPAs. I love IPAs. No, you IPAs. don't. There's a really good IPAs. Nobody shower. likes IPAs. Listen. There's a really good IPA. No, you like saying you like IPAs. You just have an uneducated palate and you're jealous God. that my palate is so much more refined to taste the delicacy. The delicacy. The delicacy. The of delicacy an IPA. of piss and coffee combined. Yum. Coffee? They're not even dark. Nick, yo, can you pass me a beer? I hope a sister up. A beer. I, there's two there's IPAs at the at the bottom or top in the bottle. Is there like loggers or not IPA fucking there's, you know I'm what? I'm pretty sure there's coronas in there. I'll make a judgment You know what? If Thank there's you. like a lighter IPA, I'll fucking have it. Okay? Lighter Thank IPA. you. What, what Nick. do you like? Coors like? Coors like? Well, it depends. If I'm at like a brewery, I typically get like a like I like blondes. I like sours. I like some stouts. It just depends. I, it depends on my mood. So but I think like, you don't like hops. Is what you're Super happy. No, but here's the thing. If I'm like going to a bar and it's like a shitty dive hole in the wall bar, I get the same thing every time. And it's a shot of Jameson and a Budweiser. Every I time. That's a safe bet. And, yeah, exactly. That's why. But if I'm going to like a little more like, you know, say I go to a restaurant that's got a full bar, I always get like a gin and tonic. But like if I'm going to a brewery. Wow, you're like all over the place. Yeah, it's called alcoholism. <laughs> like, it's yeah, not for real. That was a joke. But yeah, no, I am all over the place. And you called my palate uneducated. Yeah, unrefined. Wouldn't how is that unrefined? You, if I'm all over the place. That doesn't mean refined. It means that you I, just I know have def- a variable preference. <laughs> <laughs> I know what the definition of refined is. All right, let's see what you got. That one. Okay, that she one. wants IPA. the IPA. What do you want? That Thank you, sir. IPA for sure. Where's yours? Okay, I'll Thank I'll do the Heineken. My dad drinks Heineken, so I can get I can get by on Heineken. This is not a twist off. Just graduated college. Nick, how old are you? You're younger Nick. than me, bro. How old do you think I am? Nick is the youngest. How old do you think I am? Alive. Okay, that's like the lowest guess I've gotten in like 10 years. I'm 24. No, it's a pop. Yeah. Ugh. Same, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. Don't need that. Cheers, mama. <laughs> so mm. You like that program idea. The what? The program idea. The program idea is actually genius. The pamphlet? Yeah, that's we, dude. We could get that done. We could get that done before the meet. 
That'd be great. We just need a printer and paper. That'd be great, yeah. We're, we're gonna do that. That's well, a you genius. Need the, you'd need the designs. Absolutely. You'd need the designs to, and like a little bit of information. Um, but no, we can definitely get it done. It, no, absolutely. I can. I can write all that out that, tonight. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'm a workhorse in the sense like. And have an online one as well. Right. I'm a workhorse in the sense like what most people can accomplish in four hours, I can do in like 30 minutes. So it's like I can't work straight, but I work at super speeds. It's pretty sick. It's called autism. Cheers. I have the same Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. But the program idea, that that is that is very professional, I think. I think it's a very professional thing to do. And the amount of people who are just gonna come to this event just to like watch their son or daughter or watch their brother-in-law like lift. To, to help those people understand mm. I have all the dot scores on file we can wow we can really make a sick pamphlet no definitely yo definitely. I fucking love pamphlets <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know you say some wild shit sometimes I fucking but love pamphlets aren't pamphlets the dopest the dopest I don't oh my god. they're the dopest the dopest but um so yeah, I mean that's the that's the beauty of powerlifting. We all get to steal each other's ideas. Yeah. So any meet directors or competitors out there listening to this, make pamphlets for your meet. Make a program. Make pamphlets. Make See a program. See what other professional sports are doing. That's a thing. If, yeah, that's if cool. We're, we're trying to get powerlifting to be professional or at least look professional in terms of these money meets. It's what are other professional sports doing? What right. Is right. UFC right. doing? What is UFC? I think is the mold we have to follow the most. UFC is great. Yeah. The advertising for all the fights that they, they do months in advance and they see who's going head to head and like they build a story, it's they a put story. it on YouTube. If there's some like story, then if there's no- imagine we built a story of John Hack and like Jamal and put their training and, and Lake LaHue. And well, there's like even that. there's even like nuances of UFC. Like one, it's the only major individual sport that is as big as it is. So that's part of the reason it's the Yo, I'd love to see people do face-offs. Well, I, I sent you guys a video last summer. Well, they don't necessarily have to do face-off, but it's making it seem like a face-off. Like if oh, you're made, talking if like you a made... pre-fight weigh-in face-off. Yeah. Oh, my oh, gosh. Like that, yeah. Not like head-to-head. You're talking like a pre-fight weigh-in face-off. Didn't Hack and, Hack and Gibbs have like a face-off yeah, ad did. done? They had a face-off ad, but yeah, if we could even have face-off ads, but then after weigh-ins. And like... a press conference. I would love to see a press conference. The, here's After the audience, you put them at a press conference and you, and you just let people just ask questions. Some comments. You're right. Yeah. So he, here's the only slight issue with this in the start is that somebody, probably you guys, is going to have to eat the fucking dollar when this starts. This is going to take a couple of years of eating the dollar to make to really make it profitable. Because it's, it, it's, it's going to be in creating an entirely new presentation and approach to the sport that's going to require a lot more manpower, a, a lot more time, all of those things. So it's a matter of do, do whoever wants that to happen, do they have the vision and the long-term sustainability to be able to do that for a couple of years before – because ultimately what's going to come down to like every other sport is people now sponsoring the events. Exactly. And finding value in sponsorship. So – you know, that's, I like how this just became like an ideas thing. That's yeah. kind of what happens. I don't even see it as eating the dollar too. Cause I know putting things on paper and planning ahead is what is going to save that dollar. I think a lot of times right. it's not planning ahead and you're losing money there. Like whether it's ordering something or doing something very last minute, like printing something last minute is right. going to cost us. Um, say if we had to hire a designer now getting them to do it ahead of time, like on very short notice, 
So things right. like that. And being so numbers, like I deal with numbers all the time, I can say. Well, I love the idea of like a face off. I wonder if yeah. that could ever work. That'd be so fun. I wonder if that could like really work. I wonder if you could do it without yeah. being corny. I wonder if there's yeah, a that, way to do it without the, being the corny. The hack Brett Gibbs thing was. That was cool. That was yeah. great. Um, and I haven't seen something like that since. I think listing more yeah, stats. That one I think has well over a hundred. I mean, how you make it not corny is making sure that that the lifters that are doing the face off take it seriously. Right. Like, don't go and laugh. You know, don't like right. show up like making mockery of like the face off. If you take it seriously, then other people are gonna. I liked your face offs. My face. Your face offs were awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should come to my fight. It's February 11. He's here. Yeah. February 11th. I'll check the schedule, but I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. I'd absolutely love to. Um, I think another thing that, that could be helpful is more stats. Height, weight, yeah. gym gym lifts. Recent gym lifts. I yeah. think you could even do things like arm length yeah, and, yeah. and make it valuable. Like, not necessarily reach, you know, because I think stealing those terms is weird, but like wingspan and things like that. Yeah. Because you can you can start to weigh the different advantages. Years powerlifting. In, yeah, years years competing, years lifting, or you know something to that degree. Um, like in football, they have like whether it's first year, second year, right. third year person. Right, I think Tom I think Brady, year twenty two. Yeah, no, yes, it's a lot of back end work, but frankly, most of that is stuff that somebody could do in two work days if you just sat down and did it. You know, so you know for like a, you know say an average fifty lifter event, you could do that now. Yeah, Absolutely, that's easy. You just well, make it part of the I mean, form. you got to just make it part of the the form. Yeah, I get, I get that, but, to, but understand gonna... people like, okay, we need you to measure from your shoulder to the tip of your no, fingers. No, we would have to measure them at weigh-ins. And That's then true. save the data. That's true. Yeah. But then it's plugging all of that information. We from... should measure them this year so we can have it for next year. And th but, that, but it's also then you have to plug all that information from the night of weigh-ins into the live stream that night. Yeah. That's the challenge. That's copy and paste. Yeah. It's not that simple though, because there's doing a live stream. There's a lot of well, framing, kind of like staging the graphics, the boxes, all these parts that are fixed that aren't fixed. There's mm -hmm. transitions. It's a little more complicated than that, but ultimately, yeah, you're right. It's copy paste. Yes. But it's also a lot of data to be stored. So like yeah. if you have 50 lifters, just putting, just storing their name, if there's 50 lifters, that's 50 different files. 50 different text boxes and you know, whatever. But um, segueing now into the event we're actually doing. <laughs> um, so talking about the open day here quick. Um, the big standout on the open day, obviously we know quite a few people on this list. And the open day is typically the day that's open more for people who, you know, they're not at that really high level of competing yet. But one standout on this open day is right here, Jordan No. I don't know why she signed up for the open day. Maybe she hasn't had a good couple of years because she hasn't competed since two, June of 2019 from what I'm seeing, but she has a 515 raw dots. So in, in terms of the open day, and we're not really gonna go over too much of that because it, it's not, while these competitors are eligible for the money, we still have not seen a competitor from the open day earn a money spot yet. We haven't seen that in the past three years. So, but this Jordan, to a degree, she has a chance to earn money um, by the end of the contest. So as far as the open day goes, a lot of, a lot of newer lifters, um, a lot of experienced lifters who aren't quite at the top yet. Um, but Jordan No is definitely a standout there. 
Going into the pro day, we have quite the stacked lineup, quite literally the best raw male and female in untested powerlifting right now, um, plus quite a few others. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so looking at this form, you know, we'll start at the base. We're going to talk about predictions. Um, we're paying top three spots. If you were going to run an approximate, we'll say a top three with a potential fourth, Simon, where would you go here? Top three male, definitely John as number one. And then I think Jamal as number two and Marco Galindo Galindo as number three. Marco Galindo is um, going to come so in. so because he didn't have necessarily the best meet last meet i know he ripped his hand but he has a huge pull and that would have brought his dots up significantly and i looked a little bit at his training his training seems to be going really well so I he doesn't post really frequently good. enough to know though he yeah, posts he like post once every two weeks yeah but from what i'm seeing with his training and how his last meet went especially i like looking at attempts like he was going seven for seven before he ripped his hand Whereas like some of the other top lifters, it could be hit or miss. Like it could be a five for nine day. Right. It could be an eight for nine day. Where he, he seems to be really consistent and same with Jamal and John. And obviously their dots alone is just so far ahead. Right. So yeah, Jamal and... Um, and Blake obviously as well is, is really strong and his right. hook grip and, and pulls have been looking really good. Right. So um, as far as my kind of what I'm calling... I'm actually going to call, um, obviously, John, but then kind of a, a flip-flop between second and third where it's kind of unsure. Yeah. Like Blake, LeHue, and Jamal are who I have. But, see, Blake's a little more variable. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. So if Blake – I don't know if you saw Blake compete at the Kern, but he had one squat, a couple squats, where the walkout was literally like 15 seconds. And you thought he was going to just bail on it. He's dying, 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 dying. And then he he does the squat and just murders it. He, he totaled 2,000... What was it? 2,000 and... Uh, let me do the 2006. Number. Yeah, 2006 at 181. But in wraps. In wraps, but he murdered the entire event. He squatted... 749 he bench pressed 474 and he deadlifted 782 at 181 it's pretty insane and when he's on he's yeah. really and the other difference with Blake too he has the longest competitive career of anybody he on does. this list if he has a nine for nine day he could he could win it he, he could, could win, win it if John messes up on scores. right which I mean John hasn't really had a meet where he's like really fucked up yet he hasn't really had that yet. It's always like even when he does, he makes up for it somewhere. And the and the other thing is too, the last meet, the 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 standards here are going to be a little tighter than the last two meets he's done. So we're we're going to see a little more strict judging here compared to the last two WRPF meets he's done. So we'll see how that affects because you know we've seen John at USPA meets go one for three on squats. Yeah. We've seen him only his. We've also seen him go three for three, but those were a little more kind of local events. So, you know, here it's going to be a little different. We have a lot of international referees. We have a lot of national referees. We have a lot of uh, meet directors. So the standard's definitely going to be fulfilled here, which I'm happy about. I'm very happy about that. Um, so Jamal is another one where I think he's got 
a dead in place squat and bench. He's pretty much going to squat low eights, low like you know low mid uh, as high as potentially eight twenty something. Um, you know he'll bench a little over five, and then his deadlift like he could pull anywhere between you know nine twenty and a grand. And which is insane. Which is insane. A grand. And a grand. Yeah. And well, um, uh, that's the other half with John too. John recently pulled nine fifteen, and so it's like you never know where he could go either. And ultimately, it all depends on how he treats his squats. Yeah. If he goes one for three on squats, it's going to be tight. Mm-hmm. If he goes three for three, I think he's winning. If he goes three, for, exactly. If he goes three for three on squats, it's pretty much, it's pretty much guaranteed. But, but isn't John a bit hit or miss in squats? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I can actually pull up here. The, the most recent USPA meet he did was in Wisconsin. Um, and that meet... He went two for three on squats. He missed his opener, um, but it was a more local event. Uh, before that was the tribute, and that's where he went one for three and did the 181 at 2,000. He went one for three, missed his first two squats. He was about to bomb, and he actually went up the whole way. He went up like 10 kilos or 12 and a half kilos from the opener, and then another like 10 or 12 and a half to the third. It was a very, very edgy ordeal, but he has he's only done one USPA meet since, which by the way, he only missed one squat. He went eight for nine that meet. Mm. So still still pretty valuable. Um, and then again, you know, kind of segueing back to Jamal, looking at Jamal's recent performances. Jamal's done, he's missed a couple, he's, you know, his last his last meet, he only did two squats. He missed his third bench and he missed his third pull and then had some issues with his grip on his opener. He ended the day five for eight. But the thing with Jamal is, is when Jamal is on, he is unreal. And the greatest example of that is the hybrid showdown. Yeah, three. Um, uh, two. Last February. He was on the whole day there, but I'm more so talking about the second one where he pulled that four, uh, sorry, that 970. Oh, because yeah. that, if, if I, I, I tell him to this day, if he were allowed to take a fifth attempt that day or a sixth attempt or a seventh attempt, he could have just kept going up and never missed anything. Yeah. He was so on that day. And and since then, he's never really been that on. But the thing is, that's kind of how this works. That's kind of how the sport works. You you kind of get on for anywhere between a one and four meet run. And then you're kind of off for a while. And, I mean, Steffi, you can you can attest to that with your competitive career. I mean, you had a, a little history of some depth problems and um, issues cutting weights and uh, cutting weight. And then, you know, coming into meets, um, kind of undershot benches and things like that. But your meets where you were on, you were putting up a, a damn near, you know, mid-600 dot score, which is insane, by the way. And um, this was before like 500. Was this was impressive. this was this was when like a 400 dots was highly impressive. This yeah. is when a 405 pound deadlift from a female yeah. was highly impressive. And now we're seeing women pull over five at 148 regularly. We're seeing women pull over six, not quite regularly, but you know it's not uncommon. Um, so. You know, you can attest to that at this level of competitorship, it's hard to be on, but when you're on, you're, you're a bullet. And so if Jamal has that day where he's on, um, you know, we, we could see the tables turn. We could see Jamal potentially overtake um, John. Because you got to think. And the, he has leverage with that pole. So much. He could just put off something. So much. Is, isn't that interesting how, like, the more experience you have, the longer you've been on the sport, the more variability you have between meets? Oh, Not the opposite. I, I almost don't even want to talk about it because I have fucked up so many meets. But it's crazy, right? Like yeah. it, it would. It seems counterintuitive because I would think that 
the more experience you have, the more dialed in you are. For right. me, it's like, the, you know, the more you know your body and whatever, but it's like, you can't even try to control all the things that could go wrong. Right. And if, even if you do, sometimes, even if you do everything perfectly, you show up and like, it's just not there. Well, yeah, too. And especially as you get to a strength level, that's extremely outside the norm. You don't get to kind of take a normal approach to the, the actual comp day. The jumps are a little bigger. Um, they're a little more variabled. Um, so like all of those things, they, they play the, they play, they play in, in ways that you just can't account for. Mm -hmm. You can't. There's just more variables overall. It's money, big weight cut. Yep. You know, supplementation. That's where I'm really, I'm really interested on the weight cut aspect. I think John's a little heavier. Because John's a little heavier and Jamal's pretty light. So yeah, Jamal, Jamal's looking lean. Jamal, yeah. This is, I think this is the lightest Jamal has peaked in John a couple of years. jacked. Well, he is. <laughs> like, but yeah, he's... He's huge. He's all muscle. It almost looks like it's his. It's definitively his last meet at 198. Yeah, like yeah. he's just getting bigger and bigger. It's, dude, have you seen his arms? Yeah, his arms. that dude has dude. the biggest arms of any dude who's 5'10 I've ever met. They are so gigantic, bro. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like even looking at, um, I would you know, love to see him go up to like 242 and just conventional pull a thousand like it's nothing. I don't know if it works like that, man. I don't know if it works like that. Him, it looks like Have you ever seen how like tight that. he wears his belt? No. It's really tight. At least it looks like it. Who who knows how that would play into the um to the poll later on. So we're all kind of looking if if we had to really for the men, if we had to look at like a, a baseline top four. I think we're all kind of looking at in no particular order, Jamal, Marco Galindo, John Hack, and um Blake LeHue. Now, there is a couple of people on this list who can kind of shake things up on the lower ends of the placing. Um, Brad Crawford being one of them. He is a freak. If he has a good day, Brad Crawford's a master's competitor from, I don't even know where he's from, but I've been following Brad for a little while. But he's one who can kind of shake up the bottom ends of the placing. Um, another one who can kind of shake it up is uh, Griffin Ole. Um, you know, I don't know if he's still doing the meet. It looks like it, but Griffin, um, Griffin's also another one of these guys. Griffin pulls, uh, you know, his last meet he pulled three eighty seven five, um, and he's, he squats over seven set. You know, squats over seven seventy, um, benches in the low fives. Griffin's one who can shake things up quite a bit. Um, Another one who can shake things up. I wish Jawan was still doing the meet. Yeah. Jawan being strong. injured really threw a wrench into things. Um, there, there's just there's a lot there's a lot of people who are right there. Ronell Leftwich, um, if Demarius has a good day, um, even Duardly Edward Debo. Uh, honestly, if you if you just took it a lit like if you could just like a little more serious and dedicated a little more time. I don't think people realize because of how soft-spoken Simon is, how fucking strong Simon's Simon a is. Beast. People don't know that. Know. People just think Simon, you're a take fucking your shirt off. They just think he's a fucking nerd. They don't know. And he's not. Yeah. Simon, show no, think, us your nips. I think if I Wait, what? My hip wasn't bothering <laughs> me in squat like 5 weeks ago, I would have told you I'm placing. Yeah. Like I would have said, yeah, I'm placing. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is a 535 dots going five for nine with no weight cut. So now I'm like weight cut, I'm stronger, 
you know, I'm going to be more intelligent with temp selection. Like Aaron Horshig, Squat University, please hit up Simon. <laughs> <laughs> no, Simon's going to uh, yeah, switch but, into boxing. But I think bench and deadlift are going to go well. I already told you I'm just going right. to squat around like right. 90, 95%. Um, and then see how things go. But that could still potentially be like a 550-ish dots, I think. One person I never want to count out is Max. Maxavier Jean-Philippe. RPE Max. He is one person I never, ever want to count out. I believe now he actually has a coach too. But Max is, is just kind of known for making wild attempt selection, like consistently wild attempt selection, kind of opening with like landmark kind of ego-based numbers that he wasn't strong enough for at the time. But he's had such progression. I'm not counting him out in the sense where he could legitimately pull out a second place. Legitimately. Um, he just got to have the day. I haven't seen as much of his training lately, but he is one person I have learned time and time again, even with his awful attempt selection to, uh, <laughs> not count out. He's, he's literally, he's a freak and he, and, um, I, I don't know if I agreed with, I, I definitely do not agree with his training methods pre coach, but he's got a coach now. I don't know how it's going as much what's, now. What's his social media? RPE max. So he doesn't really post training. No, it's all memes. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's literally just a shit posting troll. He got banned from the IPF for memeing the the IPF no, or the USAPL. No, no, no. I forget. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the whole story, but that's at least what was presented on Instagram. Now, moving into the woman, women, um, top placing is definitely a little more a uh, little more easy to see. Yeah, um, Hunter Hunter Henderson. That's Yo, like, she's a beast, eh? That's a right. number one. Like, unbelievable. With right. possible opening attempts. Right. Right. And so, Hunter, like, we love you, but we're not really going to say much more. I mean, you're you're an absolute freak and workhorse. You have amazing work ethic. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that you're going to place at the top of this event. Um, so, sorry we're not going to talk about you a little more. <laughs> but moving into the, the well, second... Wait, let's talk a little bit about... What, what do you... What, do, what, do, we what do I think she's going to do? Or... Just hit. Oh yeah, man, that's hit. tough. Because here's the thing. Um, I personally, I don't like to reference any of her rap squats in relativity to what that can mean for her raw squats. Um, in my opinion, her squats at the last Kern shouldn't have even gotten close to passing. They were ridiculously high. That's not on her, but um, so that's that's one thing. But she did do record breakers and sleeves. She squatted five. Was that five twenty nine? 529 in sleeves. She benched 308 and she pulled 540. And I know in training, she like doubled 525, I think, or 530 in sleeves. She's benched like 315 for a triple or something. And uh, I, I actually haven't seen a lot of her pulling. Um, I don't use Instagram enough. And then, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I think something like you know maybe a fourteen thirty to fourteen fifty total is what's probably going to happen. Six was that six fifty to six sixty as far yeah. as kilos. Um, she's she did do um, six forty in sleeves um, at the showdown in twenty twenty, um, but again the standard there wasn't all that high. Um, 
unfortunately. So it's all just going to depend too on how people can deal with the refereeing. You know, it's it's going to be a harder day refereeing. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a harder day as far as the standard goes, which I personally love. Um, so you know, we'll have to see there. Moving into second, have you looked at these this roster enough to really kind of think about who you would put for a second and third place? I feel like I don't know them well enough, but I do see that it's pretty tight across top four, which is going to be interesting. And then sometimes, you know, you have people you just never know. Like, did they have a bad meet going into this? Um, but it's it's good that basically the whole top five people are all in flight C. So it's going to be... Right. It's going to be fun. Right, which is... I did that deliberately. I am going to have to adjust... So you put me in flight A deliberately? No. <laughs> I only put the people who are in high no, contention in flight C deliberately. Yeah. After that, it's organized by weight class. Yeah. So... But there is going to be... It's going to be adjusted again because, dude... I hate all of you powerlifters. All of you. <laughs> all of you. Because... I sent the athlete email. It's a, it's a high-level meet. You know, we don't need an athlete email four weeks out. At least I thought. Sent it a week out. Thought it'd be okay. And in like 10 minutes, I get seven drops. No. Th four of them from the pro day. And like these are people who have known they're injured, known they're not coming. Like, and I had other drops previously on the pro day very early on. Because he was like, hey, you know, I hurt my hip, whatever. And like that to me was very frustrating. There were a couple I accidentally left on the roster and stuff like that, but regardless, it was um, it was a little frustrating. I don't even like to talk about it. I mean, no, let's talk about it because okay, this is how I see it. From my experience in professional powerlifting, when I committed to a meet that was committed to delivering professional level competition for people who compete and then for spectators. Like, no matter what, even if I wasn't, like, quote-unquote, feeling ready, I would still show up if I made the commitment. You know what I mean? Like, you owe it to the powerlifting community, and you owe it to the people who who are putting up the event, who are putting up money, who are, who are like, right. you know, paying media and live stream and all of these things. You if you guys knew how much them. money was in this event, you guys would shit your pants. This is literally one of the most yeah. expensive events that's ever happened in powerlifting, ever. Definitely. I've yeah. seen it. And I'm yeah. like, it's, you guys sure? It's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like... It's going to be sick, though. Right, but but I think that's something... Yeah, and that, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Like, take it into account as a, as a lifter. If you personally want to see a sport progress and you're competing in a pro day and you've, you've committed to competing in a pro day and you don't really have a legitimate reason why you're not showing up, you know, in a legitimate reason, I mean, like, something with your health is compromised or something with like your family, you know, a family death or something like that. I mean, it, there's really no excuse for not showing up. So, yeah, I, even myself, like I know my squat's not really going to be there, just kind of a token squat, but it's just the fact of like showing up and going through the process. So if someone's dropping out, cause they're like, Oh, I'm not that strong. I'm not like, I'm not going to be that strong. That's why I'm like, right. Come on. Yeah. The last meet I dropped if, out if of. That's the mindset. You're just never gonna win in the first place. Yeah. So. The last meet I dropped out of, I showed up and spotted and loaded. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of made up for it. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree, man. And I dropped out of plenty of meets. Usually, really early, like plenty early on. I've dropped out of plenty of meets. I have like a a, a boat, like a like a laundry list of injuries, like because I'm an idiot. So you know that's that's a lot. That's a lot of that. And and I can understand those things. But like, if you know you're injured. Through 20 weeks, 
Like, why are you waiting till the week before the event to say something? And obviously, we're not going to name names, but, you know, I want to. <laughs> I want to, but I don't want Steve Dennison to yell at me. And, uh, but, like, you're waiting till the week before the highest paid money meet, uh, potentially of 2022, um, the first big money meet of 2022, a meet that's, that obviously has a lot of dollars going into it, and you're waiting till the week. Like, do you guys know how long the, now on the pro day, not as much, but you know how long my waiting list was for the, the open day? I had a wait list of 30 competitors that I all had to, they emailed me, I had to be like, no, I don't have any drops, I don't have any drops, I don't have any drops, and then I don't get any drops till, you know, I got a couple, three weeks out, but I can't, I don't see the viability and being like, hey, we're three weeks out, do you want this spot now? And then a bunch of them one week out. It's just like, those are slots that could have been filled. Those are people who quite literally see competing at, a, at an event like this as like a literal dream. People see it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's the passion that people have towards this sport. And uh, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I digress. Looking at second and third place, I kind of have three females who I think are all in the running. I have like a hard second. Um, of Whitney Baxley. I don't know if you've ever really looked into Whitney Baxley. She is a phenomenal competitor, pretty new. Um, let me pull up her numbers really fast. So Whitney started competing in early 2019. Um, she hasn't, her last meet didn't go well, but the meet before that, she squatted at 132. She squatted 380. Um, she benched 198 and she pulled 518 at 132. Um, she put up a 551 dots. And if things have progressed well, you know, we can expect to see something like a 565, 575. So she's got a hard chance at second. Um, the other one I'd put as like closely pushing the second place, if not overtaking it, would be Kirsten Skurlock. Kirsten did a 566. She's who I really have most likely at second, but I think Whitney's going to definitely give her a fight. Um, she's who I really have. I mean, she's, dude, she squatted, I think it was 584 for a double in yeah. training this last time. In comp, she squatted 580, 579. She's benched 348, which is insane. And she's pulled um, 568 and all of this at 230. She is an absolute monster. She is so strong, so efficient. She lifts to a standard. So she, ultimately, I have it going Hunter, Kirsten, Whitney Baxley. Mm -hmm. But the kind of sneak in competitor who I even actually messed up my initial placement of the um, final flight is Angelina Bennett. Angelina Bennett threw up a 539 dot score at her last event, uh, but also she's only done RPS and WRPF meets. So I don't know what that transfer is gonna be as far as standard. We can pretty much guarantee a longer pause on bench, a more efficient, um, and, and better judging on deadlift lockouts, and then obviously squat depth. Those are like the big four things that change as far as standard go. So that's going to be, are you getting another beer? Is that what's happening? No, I'm so hot. I'm like trying to get distance from the, from the pillows, you know what I mean? I can breathe on you. Yeah, I got real hot breath. 
Yeah, I'm not into that. Uh, <laughs> um, Stop that. So Angelina is one who, if she has a good day and if she can, you know, bring the standard with her, um, she's one who could definitely sneak into that third or second place as well. But ultimately, I have Hunter, Kirsten, and Whitney Baxley. Yeah, that looks solid. I guess she competed the last or showdown three. Yeah, showdown three. Yep. On that, that note, two. on that note, thank you guys for listening. I'm super excited to see how this meet actually turns out. Hopefully we can um, elevate the standard for professional powerlifting from now moving forward. Not hopefully, I mean surely. Uh, slowly but surely. And uh, how, can, how can people watch the meet? Um, so the meet is going to be completely live streamed for free mm-hmm. on the Hybrid Performance Method YouTube channel. We will have a link posted up for that here in the next couple of days. There's still some kinks we got to work out, but it will be up there for free. Should be a very high quality live stream. Um, so subscribe to the Hybrid Performance Method YouTube channel in advance and make sure that you get and cl- click the bell and make sure that you can see when we go live. Um, you know, turn on your notifications for it. Um, and then also, if you do plan on, on being in Miami at the event um, for day one, tickets will be $15. For day two, they'll be 25 Or you can purchase a weekend pass for $30. We will have um, a couple of different booths out here, including the Hybrid... Um, Legacy the hybrid legacy apparel booth and it, it's 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 going to be a packed house in there so prepare to be hot but prepare to see some big lifts yeah i'm excited thank you guys for listening and i'll catch you guys on the next episode